we just had and realizing and trying to explain that it's not a law problem we have in this world, it's a heart problem, okay? There's many, uh, th there was that other shooting the other day that uh, the guy uh, in Philadelphia was Wednesday night. Uh, things that every law on the books said that he shouldn't have had a weapon, but he did. Okay, and law. We don't need more laws. We need a heart change, and that's what what it's talking about here. And uh, what I talked about last week was that uh, America has slowly been asking God to move Himself out of everything. Remove God from the public schools, remove God from the courthouses, all these things. And what happens is, you know, we think, people think that they could handle it themselves on their own moral values. That God, we, we want to take you out of this. We got this under control. And what, what it's doing is you're replacing God with morals of people. But how many of you know that everybody's morals are different? Some believe this thing and that. So understanding what really happens is when you ask God to be removed from an area, people don't think darkness will come in, but that's all darkness is, is the absence of light. God is the light, evil is darkness. And I cannot, and I say this all the time, we cannot bring darkness in this room right now. Only thing we could do is remove light. When we remove light, darkness comes in. When you bring light in, it pushes back the darkness. Do you, if you notice looking around, maybe under the pews, you'll see a shadow. You know why that shadow's there? Because something's blocking the light. Something is stopping the light from getting there. And a lot of times in life, we have things in our life that is blocking the light of God to shine in our life and change our country. When, when we say, God, I want you out of the school system, it's putting up something to block his light into it. So darkness will be there. You don't have to invite darkness in. It automatically comes in. All darkness is, is the absence of light. If you want darkness to go, you just bring in light. Amen. So that's what we were kind of talking about and, and laying these things that we need to understand that uh, God, that God loves us. Let me put it this way. I, I, was, I don't know why I was thinking about this earlier. The Bible talks about a wolf in sheep's, sheep's clothing. And in other words, what it's telling you, you'll know what something is not by the way it looks, not by what it tells you. You'll know it by its tracks. Right? You know how come I know I have an orange tree in my yard? Because it makes oranges. If it made lemons, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be an orange tree. It would be a lemon tree. You know uh, what something is by the fruit it produces and by the tracks it leaves. And so God, uh, just like us, as uh, he's our heavenly father, just like each and every parent, do you have rules for your children, guidelines? Is it to be mean to them? It's to do what? Protect them. So the Ten Commandments is just a, an outline of what, what I want to call walking in the fruit of love. That's all it is, and that's what we're, we're going to talk about. And quickly, I'm going to go through this. Uh, last week, we, we ended on this scripture, Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ, uh, we began, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and for ever. He never changes. It never changes. And that's what I had talked about that, uh, you know, 
God's Word are, and Old Testament and New Testament are timeless principles that never change. Okay, it's timeless principles that never change. And then, uh, again, uh, look at yeah, your paper there, and I used this scripture to close last week. Hebrews 9, 12. We'll just skip down for a second, Matthew. It says this, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. Now, it was referring to other things that had uh, other type, uh, uh, you know, they had to bring different types of things for offerings. But without the shedding of blood, there is what? No forgiveness. And I ask, is that still true today? You see, we, but we're not supposed to sacrifice animals and things, but without the shedding of blood and the, the sacrifice for all, Jesus Christ on the cross, there is no forgiveness of sins. If you don't accept with Jesus' Jesus's blood that was shed on that cross into your life, there is no salvation. You hear me? So blood still needs to be shed, although it was shed 2,000 years ago. You have to accept that free gift for your sins. Okay, so it's timeless principles that go through. And, uh, well, I'm so short on time. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Everybody pull the batteries out your watch right now. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Proverbs 28:19. what I want to uh, share with you again from last week, and I got three versions. This isn't on your notes. I couldn't fit it on the paper. It says this in NIV. Where there is no revelation, meaning vision, where there is no revelation, people do what? Cast off restraint. And we, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom and instruction. Put the good news translation of this. A nation without God's guidance is a nation without order. When you ask God to remove God, when you put a, a block that blocks his light, it's a nation without order. But he says, happy are those who keep God's law. Then the message translation says it this way. I think I put it in there, yeah. Where there is ignorance of God, crime runs wild. But what a wonderful thing it is for a nation to know and keep his laws. Okay? Timeless principles. So when we're going to be talking about the uh, Ten Commandments today, it's still timeless principles. We are saved by grace. We are not saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. Uh, the Ten Commandments are actually a fruit of us walking out in the love of God. Okay? So we are not saved by keeping them. And again, that's where we're going to go into real quick here. Notice what Galatians 2.21 says on your paper. I do not set aside the what? Grace of God. Okay, what is grace of God? Grace is God giving you what you don't deserve. God providing salvation for you even when you don't deserve it. Because while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It says, uh, for, if right, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So I want to make clear to you here today, you are not saved by good works you are not saved by keeping the law but you are saved for good works and for keeping the law okay it, you don't earn it it doesn't earn you it okay but you are ephesians 2 10 for we are god's workmanship created in christ jesus to do good works which god has prepared for us 
Those works doesn't save you. Those works don't make you right with God, but it's a fruit of being. It's part of your tracks that you leave behind. Let's go quickly here. Romans 3.28, and this is what I'm, I'm just kind of laying this down for you. I don't want you to misunderstand what we're saying here today. For we maintain that a man is justified how? By faith apart from observing the law. Justified is a word uh, meaning justice, a legal term, that we are set right with God because of what Jesus done, that we place our faith in Jesus Christ, that he died for our sins and was resurrected and seated at the right hand of the Father. That's how we are saved, apart from the law. It's not, well, we need that and we need to do this. That paid for it all. It says this, uh, <coughs> Is, is God the God of the Jews only? Is it not he uh, the God of the Gentiles too? Yes, the Gentiles too, since there is only one God, uh, the, is only one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through the same faith. And then it says this, then uh, do we then nullify the law by this faith? Not at all. Rather, we uphold the law. Just because we're saved through grace doesn't mean that God doesn't care how we live. See, a, a person is deceived if they think that just because I'm saved by grace, there's no accountability to God in anything I do in my life. God's timeless principles are still there today. <coughs> Excuse me. Notice Romans 8, 3 and 8. For what the law was powerless to do, okay, what was the law powerless to do? It doesn't change your heart. Listen, the law, knowing what's right and wrong, doesn't make a person do it. Why do we have so many people in prison? Because their hearts haven't been changed by the law. The law is there. We got more laws in the United States than the, the rest of the world combined almost. But yet we have the most people in jail. Do we need more laws? No. Because having a law doesn't change your heart. And that's what he's saying. Basically he's saying what the law was powerless to do. All the law does is make you aware that you're sinning. It doesn't change the person's heart. But as a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, lives in you, and it says that His Spirit works in you to act and will according to His purpose. Now, if, if I'm living by the Spirit of God, I don't think God's uh, purpose and will for my life is to walk in sin. Right? So if I'm living a life of sin, knowing it, and we all make mistakes, that's not what I'm saying. But to purposely live a life of sin is, in other words, I'm not living by his will and purpose for my life. I'm living by my own. Let's look at those tracks. What are those tracks leaving? It says, for what the law was powerless to do and that it was weakened by sinful nature, our own desires, uh, God did by sending his own son, okay? That's how you could be saved through faith. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so, uh, and so he condemned or justified sin and sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law may be fully met in us. We do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the spirit. And again, we're going to, let me just... 
If we run out of time, we run out of time on this CD. I'm sorry. I'm not Russian. I'm American. I'm not Russian. Okay. <laughs> okay. Verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their mindset on what the natural desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. So look at your life, and is your life producing what the Spirit would be desiring or what man would desire? What are the tracks of your life? Verse 6 says, The mind of sinful man is death. But the mind controlled by the Spirit is what? Life and peace. The fruit of the Spirit. Peace, love, joy. We talked about that last week. That's what God wants in your life. But if there's no, no light, there is none of that. There's chaos. <coughs> it says the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Again, so as we just quickly went through those things, realizing, again, that you're not saved by your works. Because the Bible talks about that the most righteous, the best a person can be, the most righteousness of man is as a filthy rag in the eyes of God. Okay, the best you could be is junk to God on your best. And, and this is what's true. On your very best day, that you ever live in your whole life, you are still in as much need of God's mercy and grace on your life that day than your very worst day. You hear me? It, it, you never earn what God, that's grace given to us. Mercy is God not punishing us for our sins, what we deserve, and grace is Him giving us eternal life through Jesus Christ, which we don't deserve. So understand that. So keeping the Ten Commandments, keeping His commands do not save you. But if you're a Christian, you should be producing the fruit of the Spirit. Make sense? Okay. So look what Jesus was asking this question. And we, we talked about this last week. Hearing that Jesus had uh, silenced the Sadducees, the Sadducees that don't believe in resurrection... They asked Jesus a question about uh, uh, afterlife and things like this. But Jesus, he kind of shut them down uh, quiet. He says, then one of them says, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. He said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus says this. What's that first word? Circle that. Love. <coughs> Love is key in all this. How many of you know the Bible says... There's faith, hope, and love, but the most important is love. These three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the most important is love. Love the Lord your God with, circle that, all your heart. And with what? All your soul, circle all. And with all your mind. You know how much that leaves? None. It's God wants all of you, not part of you. Revelation says, I wish you were hot or cold, because lukewarm, I'll spew you out my mouth. God wants all of you. Then he said, Jesus says this, <coughs> that is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love, circle that again, it begins with love. 
your neighbor as yourself. And he says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And he's, he was referring back to the Ten Commandments, but kind of summing it all up right there. Okay, so we understanding these things. Jesus Christ is the same today forever, okay? And I am to live, model my life after Christ. Am I? So I should be walking the way Christ walked in life. Now, notice what it says here in John 14, 15. This is Jesus speaking. He says, if you, there's that word, love me, you obey what I command. If you love me, he says, here's the proof. Your tracks will be, you obey what I command. Now, don't get this mixed up. Because we tend to look at it as, well, if I obey what he commands, it means I love him. If I keep this, it show, reality is, and I always explain it this way, you keep his commandments because that's what you, you can't help yourself. That's what you do because of love. Right? My children will never go hungry or without a home as long as I'm alive. Because I love them. There's no book on the law right now that says as a grandparent you have to do all these things for kids or grandkids. Right? Think about this. When you had a child, when, when, and I'll go with myself, when I, we had children, I fed them because I love them. I put a roof over their head because I love them. I, I made sure they had everything they needed that I could provide because I love them, not because the law told me I had to. You hear me? It's not because there's a law that says fathers need to provide for their children. And if they, if they do away with that law, then I would have just let them starve. You know what? I couldn't do that because of my love for them. And that's what Jesus is saying here. Because of your love for me, you won't be able to help do these things. Because of my, my Father's Spirit living inside of you, guiding you, walking you, you won't be able to help but do those, those things. And the reason you're doing it is because you love me, because of the love for me. Don't try and do it on your own, because then that's the, the battle that's going to be, uh, you're going to be fighting. If, if serving the Lord and following him is str a struggle to you, you have not truly submitted your heart to him yet. Okay? Notice what the next verse says. 1 John 2, 3, and 6 says this. We know that we have come to know him. Was that next word? If, circle that. In other words, here's the tracks. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Notice this is all New Testament. Referring back to old things, the timeless principles of things. He says, you, you have come to know him if you obey his commands. He says, the man who says, I know him, but who does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth is not in him but if anyone obeys his word God's love is truly made complete in him this is how we know we are in him this is the test whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus walked so are you leaving the same tracks that Jesus would leave Boy, it got quiet. Is this on? First John 5, 3 says this. 
This is, there's that word again, love for God. To obey his commands. And his commands are not what? Burdensome. You won't have to strut. My kids didn't have to beg me to provide a home for them. They didn't have to work. Now, they kind of begged me for some snacks late at night, you know, that you might not want to give them. And they knew what they were doing. They'd send my young, the baby to say, go ask daddy for the snacks because, you know, the baby <laughs> and the family gets whatever they want. <laughs> but it wasn't a burden. It's what you do out of love. It's love compels. Love compels you to give. That's why it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his son. It is not burdensome. James uh, 2.8 says this, if you really keep the royal law, notice what he calls it, the royal law found in scripture. Where's that next word? Love. Circle that. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says, you are doing right. If you really keep the law found in scripture, it's love. Now, last week I had mentioned in the Ten Commandments, the first five commandments is dealing with your relationship with God. And the second, uh, six through ten, is dealing your relationship dealing with others. That's where Jesus was talking about. Love the Lord God with everything and love your neighbor as yourself. So let's quickly go through these. And this is, I'm glad today I decided not to go into major depth into each one of these because we would have been here till tomorrow afternoon. That's why I'll probably do this on a Wednesday. <coughs> but I, I, I titled it walking in, the walking in or the Fruit of Love. What does, what does love produce? Okay, what does loving the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind produce? All right, <coughs> notice this. Very first one, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3 says, You shall have no other gods before me. Jesus said to love with all your heart, your mind, soul, and strength. Uh, God must be uh, your love more than any other thing in this world. More than any, can I say this? More than even any other person. Well, how can you say that? Because that's how God established it. When God created Adam, he established that relationship with Adam and Adam, everything Adam ever needed was found in his relationship with God. How do I know that? Because Adam never asked for Eve. Adam was perfectly content with his relationship with God. It's God that said, it is not good for man to be alone. And then he ex established another relationship. But guess what happened? When Adam decided to listen to Eve instead of God, sin came in. See, you have no other God, no other person, no other anything, no other hobby. There's many things. Uh, having no other gods before him is, is putting anything before God. Uh, hobby, sports, money, pleasure. And you will always make time for what is important in your life. Right? You will always make time for what is important in your life. Let me give you a help on how you find out what's important in your life. Go home today and get your checkbook out and your calendar. Look at what is taking up your finances and your time. Those are what's important to you. That's what you're investing your life in. 
Now, whatever it is, that's, what, that's for you to find out. Number two, Exodus 20, verse 4. He says, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything. Now, notice what he says. In heaven above, or on earth beneath, or the waters below. In other words, you shall not make yourself or not. Let me put it this way. Do not allow anything to become more important than him. An idol is something which you worship, and most people think of that, oh, well, I'm not making a little statue of a, a little Buddha fat man or anything of this and worshiping those things. But that's not what it, the timeless principle of this is not allowing something to take the place of God in your life. That something becomes more important than God in your life. That becomes an idol in your life. It's something that you, that you worship. <coughs> Excuse me. Again, that dealt with worship in itself because uh, as you keep reading in verse 5, it says it, you begin to worship those things. And guess what did, when Jesus was tempted by Satan, what was the thing Satan says? I'll give you this whole world. I'll give you all desires if you just simply bow down and worship me. Don't allow anything to take the place of God in your life. The third uh, commandment was in verse 7 it says you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name now again this is in relationship with God these first five think about this you not misuse the name of God God's name is his character and his reputation. God's name carries his character and reputation. In the Old Testament, he became the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When you become born again, you are called a Christian. You are taking on his name and identity. And your life better carry and represent that name because you are his ambassador to this world. Now, think about this. It would be the same thing as when you get, when someone gets married, uh, the female takes on the husband's name. So she marries him and takes on the husband's name, right? And we're talking about we're the bridegroom, right? The bridegroom and we're the bride. The church is the bride. That takes on the name of the spouse, but yet still wants to live the single life, trying to carry his name. Ooh. See, <laughs> that's how we, it's not only cursing with his name. It's saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, but leaving wolf tracks. Dressing like the sheep, but leaving wolf tracks. Okay, let's, let's move on. Which one are we on? Number four. <coughs> Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. He says, remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. This deals with your time. One out of seven days uh, is keeping it holy. The Sabbath, we refer in the New Testament as the Lord's Day. The first day should be devoted to him. Just as, as it talks about bringing the first fruit of your income, the first, Sunday is the first day of our week. And that's why I love a Sunday morning service, because this is the first day of a new week, and I'm devoting this time, giving it to him. And it comes, he says, so that you can rest and refresh. You hear me? We need to rest and refresh and keep it holy. Uh, things. It's about a relationship with him. 
All right. So uh, let's quickly go to number five. Now, this one you may say, well, this seems like it's with someone else uh, dealing with your neighbor, but it's not. It's still a relationship with God here. And uh, Exodus 20, 12 says this, Honor your father and mother so that, it may, uh, so that you may live long. It comes with a promise in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, think about that. He's saying, honor your father and mother. Do you realize God has placed you in the family where he wanted you to be? It doesn't mean that he likes the way your parents treated you. He doesn't, you know, we all make our own decisions. But God has placed you in a certain family. Now, it doesn't say that you have to approve of everything the way your family does, especially if they're not serving God in these things. He never says that you have to agree with everything. He simply says, honor the position. Let's take it to how it relates to him. Be honoring and respecting their position and authority over you if I don't do that, then I'm not honoring God's position and authority over me because he said I need to. Think about it. If I don't honor, hold their position, honor and respect them, I'm not honoring and respecting God because God told me to do something and I'm saying, no, they're not good enough. No, you didn't give me a good enough set of parents. I, I, I'm exempt from what you said. Who are you disrespecting now? God. You see, that, that's a, that brings us to the point of, like I said, when, when Peter told Jesus, I'll never deny you. Peter really didn't believe he would. But when the pressure came up, he denied them three times. See? That this, this is all tests to see what kind of tracks you have. You could say, I honor God and I trust God and God's, you know, thing and I honor everything he says. But if you're not honoring your parents, you're not honoring him. See, it, it deals with that relationship. Let's go on. <clears throat> Again, I could have used so many scriptures with all these things. That, and that's what we'll probably do on a Wednesday night. Uh, number six, walking in, in the, and the fruit of love meaning loving your neighbor. <clears throat> Exodus chapter 20, verse 13, you shall not murder. Well, that seems simple. <laughs> right? You shall not murder. Okay? It, but it's dealing with our, how we treat other people. First of all, you need to really, uh, realize that that person is a creation of God. That person is a creation of God that you saying, God, whatever the cause may be, God, you messed up with this person and I'm going to take him out. Christ taught about this, about it's not only about the actual murder, it's about anger in your heart. It, that's what God does. The Holy Spirit deals with the heart, not just the law. Jesus taught, he says that when you come to worship and you bring your offering and then you remember you have something against your brother. 
He said, stop worshiping and go make it right with your brother. Then come back. Let's move on. Exodus 20, 14 is, verse, is uh, the seventh commandment. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit adultery. And that sounds so simple again. <laughs> right? If your spouse ever committed adultery, you know why God said that. You see, God never wanted you to go through that pain you experienced. God never wants children to go through the experience of, of their parents getting a divorce because someone is, commits adultery. It's all about protecting his children. And again, sex. Mama, put your fingers in your ears. I'm talking about sex right now. <laughs> the door to sex is not, a, is not open outside the confines of marriage. Any other expression of sex, sexuality outside of marriage is simply lust. It's, which is really the opposite of love. Lust is, I need to satisfy myself. It's all about me and I don't care about the consequences. Love is caring about the others, sacrificing for the betterment of others. That's why God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that he sacrificed his son. <laughs> when a person outside of marriage has sex, do you realize, they, they probably don't even realize, you're gratifying the lust inside of you at the expense of the person you're having sex with. In other words, you're saying, for my immediate gratification, I'm willing to sacrifice your spiritual health to satisfy my immediate urge and need to have in my life. I don't care if it's going to make you sin, just as long as it makes me feel better for this moment. Okay, I'm going to get off of that for you. No, I'm not. <laughs> Just as I was talking about murder, and it deals with the, the, the heart condition, Jesus addressed adultery with a heart condition. He was asked, what is it, adultery? What does that mean? And Jesus says, not only if, you, if the actual physical act considered adultery, he says, if you look at another woman in your heart and have desire for her, you have already committed adultery with her without the act. So you see, th that's where we got to realize we sin when we don't even know. You, he said, you're sinning, not even, you don't even have to commit that physical act of adultery to commit adultery. You can commit adultery in your heart, in your thoughts, in your mind. That's why we need his grace and mercy on our life every day. 